How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. It's Friday and it's time for Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee, live from the NASDAQ market site. The Dow and the S&P end a choppy trading week, almost back where they began, while the NASDAQ continuing to grind lower. Tonight, we'll dive into the action of the energy patch and see if there's still a chance to profit, betting on staples, plus a tectonic week for the two tech titans, Netflix and Tesla reporting one stock riding a bit of revi- revival into results. The other seems to be, well, on low battery, the strategy and the options play straight ahead. Here with us tonight, Carter Worth, Mike Coe, and our special guest, Brian Stutland. All right, we first will begin with, before the trades, quick thoughts on the week because it has been a crazy week. Carter. One way to decide whether any day or week or any period is bullish or bearish, you look at the high, low, and the close. Lower high this week, lower low, lower close, bearish week. All right, well, that was simple. Brian Stutland, what was your take? Well, I think when you look at the market, yeah, there were some whipsaw action and somewhat to the bearish side as we close out the week. But I think really it's been all about the 10-year treasuries right now and where that's going. Because basically, by my calculation, about every 1% tick up in the 10-year note, that's worth about 7 or 10% to the downside in the market. And so when the 10-year sort of ticked above 4% the other day off the CPI number, the market got real scared. We saw S&P trade down to 3500 Then all of a sudden, the 10-year reversed itself, and the market found some ways to rally. And now, again, we're back at that 4% level. 4% super critical on the 10-year, I think. And that's going to really govern the market going forward here because if you look back, that's about a high back in 2010. So if we break through there, see a close of four and a quarter or so, it could get scary. The 10-year moving up towards maybe 6% in the back half of last year could be scary for the market. Yeah, 4% really marked the danger zone for the markets today, Mike. I mean, that's when, when we sort of turned around um, when we broke through 4% to the upside. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important that we have to remember that 4%, while it certainly feels high in the context uh, of the last you know, 13, 14 years, we really need to remember that in a longer time scale, 4% really is not a very high rate. But what is high and what we saw this week is inflation. And unfortunately, uh, one of these things has to give. And I think we're going to see ultimately that the 10-year rates are going to go higher and that equity prices are going to go lower. And if we don't, the reason for that is going to be only that we're spiraling into an even worse economic condition than I think uh, some of the bears would even anticipate. So there isn't really a good out for us here, whether rates go higher or lower. Either way, it doesn't really spell uh, anything good, I think, economically or for equities. All right. Well, as stocks continue to swing, you may be wondering where you could find safety from this volatility. And the chart master is hitting the technicals on one group that could be a key driver in this wild market. Carter. Well, it's the group that's uh, sort of done its job, if you will, uh, energy. And it, it continues to be a great area of the market. Certainly absolute, but more importantly, relative. This is the XLE. It's the sector ETF that tracks the entire S&P 500 sector. And of course, you can see it quite clearly. We have responded to this trend line. Excuse me, that is the wrong color. Let's get a nice circle on there. Look at this. Bounce, 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 bounce. And we bounced again. And so, What we do know is we're not at the high, but look at this next chart. The next chart is a relative chart. We made new relative highs, energy versus the S&P. It's simply a ratio. You divide one by the other, and it depicts relative strength. That's what's important. It looks like it's going higher. 
let's look at Schlumberger. And what we've got here, it's very similar, of course, to the XLE. It comes down to trend and it bounces. It comes down to trend and it bounces. It comes down to trend and it bounces. Now, how high is the correlation? It runs at about 80%. Those are perfectly mathematically similar lines. Correlations 80% or higher. Look at the returns over the past two years. Betting on Schlumberger, betting on XLE, you can get at it many different ways, but it's an area of the market you want to be in relative to most others. All right. Thanks for that, Carter. Uh, Mike, what's the trade-off that? Yeah, we're, we're long Schlumberger. I'm long Halliburton and another strategy. Uh, you know, it's tough in a market like this one to try to chase what looked like winners. But I would just point something out very quickly. Five and a half years ago, Schlumberger had roughly comparable um, revenues as it does now. It had about half the earnings, but it had almost twice the enterprise value. So if we go back, we can see that actually we are well, well below Schlumberger's all-time all highs. Right now, it's trading about 15 times full year 2023 EPS estimates, which I think, uh, given the reduced uh, multiples that we're seeing in the current market still place it in a reasonable place. And of course, we've got to uh, advance our oil production. That's good for the oil service companies. Of course, if you don't want to risk too much, one way to do that is to look out to December and buy a call spread. I was looking at the 42 and a half, 50 call spread, buying the 42 and a half, selling the 50s. That was going to cost about two and a half bucks. The idea here being that uh, you're going to risk less than purchasing the shares outright in the event that that stock, along with everything else, starts to go a little bit lower. And what we do see in energy names is somewhat higher beta. We saw that in, in another name, actually, that we own uh, today, Devon, for example, which was one of yesterday's big winners and today didn't do quite as well. So you're going to see that. There's a little bit of leverage in these names. Options are a way to limit your risk. Of course, if it does fall back to a level where you really want to own the stock, that would be a time to consider legging into a call spread risk reversal by then selling puts. But I wouldn't do that yet. All right. So, uh, Brian, what's your take on, on this trade and on Schlumberger specifically? Well, I, you know, on Schlumberger and this trade, you know, I do like owning options in this case. And, he, and, and what Mike is doing is laying out a trade that actually owns an option that's closer to what we call at the money where the stock is actually trading. Because we've had so much whipsaw action that a lot of these premiums are really paying off. And so I like the trade in that sense. You know, the one thing that's maybe a little cautious here when you look at Schlumberger and I saw some of the option activity going on. We did see puts uptick almost twice as much volume on the put side in Schlumberger today, specifically the November 42.5 put being bought to the downside, so predicting maybe some downside. But when I'm looking at the market back to Carter's side, energy is an area you, you, know, you kind of want to be in. And I'm looking at energy, I'm looking at consumer staples, I'm looking at healthcare. Those are sort of the safe haven plays in this sort of environment where we're getting this rising interest rate environment. And, you know, unless the Fed can control things, if they do, energy may come down. But if they don't, this is a sector you want to be in. And this is a cheap bet to play to the upside in that. Uh, Carter, what does integrated versus services versus net gas, how do they look relative well, to each other? So, I mean, obviously, there, there are different areas of the market. Mm -hmm. The drillers are the most uh, sort of risky, right? It's, it's boom bust. Whereas if you're just sort of producing oil the way Exxon and Chevron are, I like those better. But again, as you saw in that chart, the overlay, the correlation is so high, you're going to get the move, good or bad, regardless of which one you pick. All right. Let's move on to another sector that Brian had just mentioned, Staples, the group considerably outpacing the S&P 500 this year. And Brian is focusing on one name set for a big earnings pop. So which one are you looking at, Brian? Well, when you're looking at some of the consumer staples, I think it's a sector we sort of went overweight this last quarter in, in our fund and portfolio management. And so that's an area that I kind of want to play to the upside. Procter & Gamble is the name I'm looking at. That's the earnings next week. We saw some good earnings news out of Pepsi. I think that starts to trickle into some of the other consumer staples. 
And when you look at year to date, what something like the XLP ETF has done marking consumer staples, it's continually been outpacing the rest of the broader market. It seems like every time we get a bear market rally to the upside, the run is into consumer staples and in healthcare. So this is a name I want to play. It seems like the option market is a little cheap after earnings. Typically, what we're seeing is option players are looking for a 3.7% move in Procter & Gamble. And so if we get that kind of volatile move, I want to be a buyer of options. I want to own a call. And it's the November uh, 125 call. I'm looking at it right around $4.50. So the break even, 129.50 on the upside. I get unlimited upside potential. I'm stopped out at 450. Yeah, that's a little bit expensive of a premium. But in this market condition, where all the volatility in the treasury market seems to just bleed into the equity markets and we get these whipsaws, I want to own a call if I'm going to play to the upside. And it's an easy way for me to overweight consumer staples by just simply buying a call on Procter Gamble, play that earnings play, be a little bit more overweight in the consumer staple sector. Yeah, Mike, what's your take? Yeah, it's one of those things that seems a little bit counterintuitive. When the market gets more volatile and options premia go up, there's a sense that people have that they've gotten too expensive. And that's when you sort of want to avoid just going out and buying single legs the way Brian's doing here. But actually, it's often the opposite that's true. And the reason for that is that options premia end up getting range bound because people are anticipating uh, basically a mean reversion in options premia. So when volatility ticks up, sometimes options premia don't go up as much as they should. And sometimes when it goes down, uh, they actually are more expensive on a relative basis because the stocks just aren't moving very much. If you want to affect a spread, probably the best way to do it is to wait for some of the move to take place. So going out and buying a call uh, the way he's identified here, I think makes a lot of sense. Carter, how does the chart look? Well, the thing about uh, Procter is it right now is making three-year relative lows to its sector. I mean, it is a massive underperformance. So either that is a problem, it has been, or that's the opportunity. We might have some comparative charts here just to show you, because we know that Pepsi put up really good numbers. Now, look at the divergent in those two lines, right? They're highly correlated. And then Pepsi on the top as Procter sort of unwinds over the past four to five months. Look at it. That's a two-year chart. Look at a 20-year chart. And what you'll see is the same thing, very much together until this recent uh, sort of wipeout, really, frankly, in Procter. So the question is, is this weakness the problem? So far it has been. Mm. Or do you take advantage of that mispricing and say, hey, we maybe play this uh, on the long side? That's my hunch, that it's so overdone relative that you make a bet. Oh, so so bad it's good. On a relative basis. <laughs> Brian, you look, you look kind of worried like you're on the ropes the whole time until the very end when Carter was looking at the charts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, honestly, actually, we looked at that ourselves when we were looking at that to buy that for clients. And, and that's why we added to it, because we just kind of felt like in that sort of sector area, it has been so oversold. And when you're looking at options here, these November options, remember, not only do we have earnings next week, we get GDP number readings at the end of October, November. We have the election. We have the Fed meeting. So a lot of news and information to digest where this market's going to fly around a little bit and owning a call option to play something that is so sort of oversold, in my opinion, is going to be a leader back to the upside if there's any kind of rally. And so that's why I'm buying a call on this thing. All right. Still to come, TVs and EVs. We're diving into two tech bellwethers that could be heading in opposite directions. How to play those names into earnings next week. And for everything Options Action, check out our website and newsletter. There's much more Options Action right after this. Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns.
How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action. Lots of questions in the last few weeks about volatility, so we thought we'd take some early tweets tonight. Now, last week, one viewer just asked, just bought Tesla October 240 calls, expecting a significant bump going into earnings. Do you agree? Mike, this week you're thinking about the same thing, but not quite in the same way. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a difficult one, right? Because uh, Tesla is clearly, I think, the, the leader in the EV space. We've seen that. It's one of my uh, Holly Index names. Uh, my wife drives the car. She loves it. And I tend not to lean against the companies whose products she favors because I think she's a better uh, indicator than I am sometimes of what consumers' interests are. But the problem is consumers are under significant pressure right now. They're under pressure because we see inflation, so that is raising the costs of a lot of things that they need. And we also have rising interest rates. And what that's going to do, of course, is reduce the amount of discretionary income that they have, and it's going to increase the monthly payments, if they choose to finance, for the purchase of a new car, especially expensive cars like Tesla's, which, by the way, uh, have seen some price increases of their own, even ignoring the increase in the payments that is going to come from these rising interest rates. You add to all of that the fact that even with what I think are probably going to be optimistic numbers for full year 2023 at about 20 billion is trading at over 30 times that number. That seems a little bit rich to me, particularly in this environment. So um, I think if you're going to lean on the long side, calls are probably a better way to do it than purchasing the stock right here. Uh, not least of which, of course, is because there's some potential that Elon, if he's you know compelled to go through with his purchase, might actually have to sell some of it. But I'm inclined at this point, I think, actually to go the other way. If I had the stock, I'd look to hedge it. And otherwise, I might be leaning on the short side. I was looking out to December, the 200, 150 put spread. When I was looking at that earlier today, it was going to cost about 13 and a half bucks. That's a, a way to risk just a portion of the stock price if you wanted to hedge a long equity exposure or take a bearish bet. Uh, but I do think that this is just a tough place to be in this environment, and it's going to remain that way, I think, uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Carter, what's your take on the chart? I'm with Mike. It's a tough place to be. Let's uh, look at the charts and see if that is the case. Uh, it very much is the case by my work. So what do we have here? We know this stock was as low as $12, uh, what, just a couple of years ago. It hits 415. There are no lines on here. Let's put some lines on. First iteration. So that's the exact same chart, but what we know is, having responded to this trend line beautifully, we have now, of course, undercut, put in the red arrow. So let's draw the lines. You see the head and shoulders top? Watch this next iteration. Same thing, and there it is. Meaning, this is as all the elements of a great winner, I mean, 12 to 415, that stalled and losing its way. Put that red arrow in again. Um, let's go to the here and now, even up close and personal. So now there is the head and shoulders. And look at the authority of this level. Basically, we have a huge risk that we undercut and we plunge the downside. Final chart, same time frame, just drawing the lines a different way. Not good. We are set up with risk that we undercut and drop sharply. It's, uh, I think it's a dangerous bet to be long here. Brian, you with the other two guys, a plunge lower? Uh, I, I am. I mean, look at that chart looks terrible if I'm an investor in Tesla. I mean, it can seriously go to the downside. And that's why I think Mike picks basically a 25 percent wide put spread. Normally, I wouldn't do that. But 
There is so much risk to the downside. I want to have my short strike in that put spread a lot lower than where I think the stock king goes. And if you look at pre-COVID low up until the high, if you're a Fibonacci kind of geek, the 61% retracement is right down at like $160. So certainly the stock could get down there. But here's what the cool thing is about this trade. If I have a whole portfolio I've constructed, I can lower consumer discretionary uh, sort of allocation just by simply taking a put spread like this, which is high, you know, Tesla highly correlated to consumer discretionary, put a short bet, so to speak, in a put spread on that and lower my exposure to consumer discretionary very easily rather than mix everything around. You know, we do own Tesla for clients, but that's part of our NASDAQ allocation. And we are way down in allocation in terms of growth and NASDAQ and whatnot. So I would want to take that lower and buying this put spread makes a lot of sense. Well, we should note that Mike is not sour on all big tech into earnings next week. Mike, you actually see some promise in Netflix. Yeah, well, if I'm going to disparage one of my Holly Index names, then I might as well try to support another one, and that's Netflix. You know, this is a name that's been under considerable pressure. I don't think I need to tell any viewers just how bad it has been. But one of the interesting things is on this downslope, this sort of ski jump that we've taken all the way down here, We've gone from a very high valuation business actually to one that is not super high anymore. We're talking, talking about a company that's trading, believe it or not, at about 20 times forward earnings, maybe a little bit less. So this is not priced in those nosebleed territories that we used to see. Uh, the other thing is that I think that we are not going to see a lot of people pairing this. When we think about discretionary spending, we might be thinking about dining out. We might be thinking about an expensive new car like a Tesla or vacations. But if you're not doing those things, maybe you're going to be spending a little bit more time at home. And we add to that the fact that Netflix has now introduced a much lower cost service, which is going to introduce ads. So for those who are trying to pair all of those subscriptions that they have, they now actually have a slot where they can fit in. So this is a situation that I was actually taking a look at a call spread risk reversal. The reason I was looking to a call spread risk reversal, number one, options premia are elevated. And as we've previously said, uh, sometimes that makes a lot of sense. But in this particular instance, I'm actually willing to get long the stock down around the 190, 185 level. I think it's probably not going to go much further below that if it does go to the downside. Carter? Well, if Tesla is a great winner that's stalling, this is a great loser that's developing or making a turn. So you see the chart here. You can see again how precise the trend line is. And just this week, we started to move ever so slightly above. Let's draw some lines, though. Next iteration, it's what a reversal looks like. It doesn't matter what you call it, cups and handles, heads and shoulders. It's the process of sequencing where you're not making a new low and then you make a slight new intermediate high and you don't make a new low. It's the word developmental. Let's put it all together, all three charts. And what we've got is a downtrend, epic, 700 all the way down here to hit lows of 100 and now turning. Like it a lot. So, Brian, are you going to make it two for two? You agree with them also <laughs> on this one? Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, this might fall a little bit more towards consumer discretionary, a little bit too much. But to Mike's point, you know, if, if the consumer discretionary side of it is that I'm going to try and save some money and stay at home and get some entertainment value out of that, you know, that's where I think the stock has already seen its like huge fall. So that 190 level, when I'm selling a put, I need to pick a level where it's like, hey, if we get down to here, I'm okay owning it. And it seems like the stock has sort of held on to that level. So being short that put to sort of finance this call spread to the upside, I think the market conditions are so oversold recently that we may actually get just a bear market, another bounce. We tried to push to 3,700 on the S&P earlier. 
if the market goes up, I think Netflix participates that way and helping to finance with that put because the level of 190 is something where Mike wants to get in. That makes a lot of sense to me. So in that sense, I actually kind of like this. I'm not a fan of consumer discretionary, but Netflix is maybe one that you can kind of play. All right. Up next, we're taking more of your tweets, more options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take some tweets. Our first fan asks, what do you feel about an in-the-money leap put on Apple for Jan 2024 expiration with things expected to get worse next year? Ryan, take that one, please. Well, if I'm expected to get worse, Apple is correlated to the S&P 500, so it probably will get worse. But I only like buying leap put options after markets are at all-time highs and volatility or the VIX, price to premium of options, is at lows. That's the time to pick up a put option, not now. I also think the second half of next year, actually, the Fed will be done and the market will really like that. I'd rather play a put on Apple, let's say a January of coming this year, 2023 option. Maybe if that doesn't pay off, roll it to February or March at that point. But I would not go out all the way to January 2024 to buy a put. But you're right to be bearish about the market. I'm worried. So. All right. Up next, final call. Time now for the final call, Carter Braxton Worth. All signs point to lower prices for equities. Remain a bearish individual if you're playing. Brian Stutland. Uh, Procter & Gamble earnings next week, buying a November 125 call to play consumer staples to the upside. Mike Coe. Still like energies, including the oil service companies like Schlumberger. And I think the worst has happened is behind us for Netflix. All right, and a special thanks to Brian for joining us here on Options Action. That does it for us for tonight. We'll be back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, do not go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.